Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, and welcome to Grief is My Superpower. I'm Mark Lemon, award-winning children's author, bereavement ambassador, and your host for this podcast. Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible people that get open and honest about their own experience with grief. When I was 12 years old, my dad was murdered, and my life changed forever. I try to explore with my guests if it's possible to live a happy and fulfilled life after the death of a loved one. You can find me as Mark Lemon Official on Instagram and at the Lemon Drop Books website. For this episode, I speak with broadcaster and presenter Emma Jones. Emma speaks with me about the death of her mum and how it shaped her outlook on life. You can find Emma on Instagram and Twitter as LJonesUK. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment wherever you're listening to this podcast. By doing this, it will help us to reach more people in need of support at a tough time. This podcast is in support of children's bereavement charity, Winston's Wish. Okay, so as mentioned in my introduction, today I'm speaking with someone that I recently discovered through a podcast that I've been on myself called The Dead Parents Podcast, a brilliant podcast, and actually Otis and I have watched her on on the telly on Match of the Day X, and it's Emma Jones. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Mark? Thank you so much for speaking with me today. For the listeners that might not know who you are, would you be able to just give them a brief intro as to who you are and what you do and all that stuff, please? Yeah, so um, I'm Emma Jones, so one of the most common names in the country. I host international football. I work for Leeds United doing their podcast and um, some stuff with them with their TV channel as well. I do various other podcasts. I seem to be here, there and everywhere at the minute. Um, and yeah, I'm just overall just... To keep it concise, I'm a sports broadcast presenter, is what I would say, sports broadcaster. Um, I've worked on numerous breakfast shows, so and my body clock doesn't seem to have adjusted from that, so I still wake up at 5am every morning, which is great fun. Um, and yeah, so that is kind of, that's me, that's what I do. That's who you are. Yeah, but you're extremely busy at the moment with lots of podcasts going on, and you know, great to have the football back, and um obviously keeps you busy but obviously the reason we're here today is to talk about grief and just wondering whether you could give the listeners your experience with grief please. Absolutely so my mum um, got diagnosed with 
the cancer when I was 12. She was 42. And um, she also got diagnosed with uh, MS, multiple sclerosis. I always struggle to say that word. Um, and it was a it was a really tough time for her, but probably because I was 12, I was kind of shielded a lot from it. So I kind of knew, I knew she had cancer. I knew it wasn't good, but I didn't know much beyond that because she was very good at kind of putting on a brave face. Um, and yeah, so I was 12. And then when I was 17, you obviously, when uh, someone has cancer, they have like their five-year remission thing, don't they? And I remember saying to my mum, mum, you're five years, it's kind of nearly up. I think it was as close as the following week she had her appointment for a review with the doctor, found out that the cancer had come back and it was terminal. But she didn't actually tell us that it was terminal. Um, so I don't know how she came back home and broke the news to us that the cancer had come back without telling us that. It must have taken a whole lot of, um, you know, pain to kind of keep that to herself and not share that with us. Um and looking back on that, I don't know whether I would have rather known or not, because I think I spent a long time, you know, 17, she died a month after I turned 18. And I don't know if I'd have done things a little bit differently, if I'd have known um, that I only had sort of 10 months left with her. Um, but yeah, she was told that it was terminal. She, you know, she tried various different things. Uh, she still had the chemo, but ultimately, you know, my mum passed away. Um, shortly after my 18th birthday and that was 13 years ago now so it feels like a whole other life yeah it goes fast doesn't it it does it, it flies by and you feel like a different person don't you when you think about it you do you do but even um you know I'm just recalling back to when I was a boy and just remembering how oh, five years had gone and it seemed like a, a lifetime but really when you think about it it was only five years and and um I'm just wondering whether you could take us back to that 12-year-old girl and finding out that your mum had cancer and obviously being at school. And did that affect you anyway at school or because you were shielded from it, you know, you, you weren't really sort of subjected to, to the emotional side of it too much? It was interesting because I was always, so my mum was like my person. I adored her. I, you know, I just wanted to be her. I went everywhere with her. Everywhere she was, I wanted to be. Uh, you know, it ached. It ached probably too much when I wasn't around her because I loved her so much. And um, she was actually a teacher at the school that I was at. Um, and obviously at 11, 12, you're kind of in your first year or so at school. And um I remember being at my nana's house and uh, being told and breaking down, just dropping down onto the floor and crying my eyes out and saying, Nana, is, is mum going to die? Is mum going to die? And, you know, it must have been so painful for my nana, but she kind of just grabbed me and clawed me back up and was like, no, she isn't. She isn't. That isn't. That doesn't always mean that the C word doesn't mean death always. And it was really hard to fathom as a 12 year old because you know, the only nuggets of cancer that I'd been told was cancer's a bad disease. It, you know, eats away at your lungs and it isn't good. And I didn't really know anyone whose parent was poorly. And it was just, um, and at 12 years of age, my peers were not mentally mature enough to talk to me about that. How could they possibly be? Um, but I, I think I look back now and I think it affected me a lot more than I realized, um, a lot, lot more. 
um, even though, like I say, mum did protect us a lot of the time from it. Um, you know, she obviously couldn't be in school um, teaching when she was having the chemo and stuff. So it, that raises questions, doesn't it? And then um, there were things like, you know, she had to wear a wig because she lost her hair. And um, my friends would kind of come round, you know, to see me and she'd always have to make sure she had her wig on. And it was like these weird things that you don't think about until you're in that situation. Like, because my mum taught these children when she was at school before she got poorly, she didn't want them to see her looking vulnerable and stuff, but she wanted me to continue leading as normal a life as possible. So she, you know, we had our friends around and stuff and, you know, what What a brave face to have to put on to do that. But I think I look back and um, at the time, probably like most children, you don't realise it's affecting you because I think kids are quite resilient. But I I look back now and I think, God, that was, that was damaging, really. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, it must have been so hard. I mean, obviously doing this podcast and like you do, uh, with the Dead Parents podcast and, you know, the anticipatory grief, you know, that feeling of sort of the build-up to to uh, the person dying and, you know, all of these different emotions of anger and whatever, frustration at the world, that why is this happening to me? Did you did you have that, did you think? Or, you know, like you just said, you sort of thinking back, you probably were affected more than you thought. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, I don't ever remember being angry I think the anger came after mum died because I think I always believed because mum always believed that like or it always appeared that she believed until you know the final sort of few days that she was going to get better so I just thought oh god this is like a really rough time like so much respect for my mum for enduring this the way she is like what a strong and inspirational woman I can't wait for us to be older and go for coffees with her and reflect on this time and go oh do you remember that that was a rubbish time but here we are now um and so I yeah I think the anger actually came because obviously I just turned 18 when she passed away and then I went to uni a few months after and you know so I'd moved away from the area where my support network was into an area I'd never been to before with people I'd never met before who didn't know my story who are you know and I was probably still in shock um and I was a high functioning griever I was just trying to do everything and there are definitely elements of that still in me today I have to be doing things because I can't really sit still and I think you know you go (laughs) I was I was I, I was always putting on an act at uni, you know, around these new people. I didn't, I didn't want to add to my problem of losing my mum being a social outcast by not being fun and not being up for going out. So I would probably go so far the other way and make every effort to make everyone else happy and always be the life and soul of the party. But I remember so many occasions where my friends would find me in the toilets just breaking down to a stranger that I'd never met before because after a few drinks, I found it easier to just talk to them. And, you know, it was 
me like people would always think oh you're crying over a boy and I was like am I heck at crying over a boy I'm crying over my dead mum I've got more important things to be crying over so I think that was when the anger and the sort of being stripped of my identity at a time when really your identity was still being forged um it walloped me and I look back at 18 year old Emma and I'm like god I want to scoop you up and be like, please just talk and get some help, please. That was going to be one of my my next questions with the fact of, you know, when you were 18, you went off to university and that kind of, yeah, just being in that new environment and and how you dealt with the grief. But obviously you've just, you know, you said, and I, and I remember myself, actually someone the other day sort of private messaged me and said, I remember after your dad died, how you didn't seem that affected because you were very jokey, you know, like the <laughs> was cracking jokes and things like that, which a lot of people, that's their coping mechanism, isn't it? And then, like you say, you're, you're in a toilet somewhere, you're having a chat with someone you don't even know, and that's where you feel like you can, you know, divulge and share with that individual. And it, and it makes you, um, I don't know about you, Mark, but now I'm very much... Um, I'm I'm more aware of the people around me that are more jovial and I'm more um I, I'm more keen to say, are you okay? Where ordinarily, um, had I not had that life experience with the loss of my mum, I probably would have just thought, well, they're okay, they seem okay, they're always happy. Whereas I'm more inclined to probe and, and say, Yeah, but are you really okay? Like what's going on underneath the surface? Because people like you and I know that what you see isn't always what you get. So obviously this podcast is called Grief is My Superpower and, you know, I believe that when you've lost someone so special to you and you've, you know, you sort of have this ability to to keep moving on in life and, you know, with you and everything that you're doing at the moment with your career, you know, it's it's inspiring to see how well you're doing, but do you feel like you have your mum's presence with you and it's, the grief is acted like a positive to drive you forward and, and just keep striving. I 100% think that had my mum not died at an early age, I wouldn't have had the drive or desire um, to, to do what I'm doing now. And I don't just mean in my career. I mean, I genuinely, genuinely wake up every day and I am grateful just to get out of bed. Uh, I'm grateful to be able to look out of the window and regardless of whether it's absolutely chucking it down or snowing or whatever, I, I'm just grateful. I'm just so grateful to be here. And I think that a, a trauma at such an early age gives you that perspective and it made, well, it certainly did for me, it made me want to pack sort of 40 years into 10 years I wanted to like just live it all go 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 just keep going and do everything and in terms of mum's presence um yes her presence but also I I found that that loss without realizing it you find this voice and you talk to yourself a lot I feel when you lose someone really close to you no I'm with you yeah definitely you you do don't you and you don't actually realize that this voice, um, you don't consciously think that this voice exists, but it's there a lot. And it this voice gets you through a lot of tough times. And at times it can be your enemy. But I feel as I've matured and got older, this voice has become my friend. And 
So when I'm enduring tough times or say I'm going to go and do a job that I'm nervous about or I'm being thrown into something I've never done before or there's a breakdown of a relationship or there's a death of somebody, this voice talks to me and I'm not saying this voice is my mum because I think this voice is me, but I think this voice is as a result of that loss and it's become my friend. It it reminds me that I felt like this before and I will feel okay again. It reminds me that life isn't perfect, but you've got to find things to appreciate and be grateful for. And it reminds me, for example, if I am being thrust into something I'm not 100% certain about, that, you know, remember that time you watched your mum die I think you can do this you know it 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 um reminds me of my capabilities and in you know in in reference to the name of your podcast that voice is my superpower I truly believe my own voice that has been my enemy at times is my friend and I find you know great joy in that voice now and comfort from it that's such a great way of putting it I you know I I myself have had that voice (laughs) many times and and you know, like you, when I when I was younger, the voice, you know, I didn't really sort of recognise it, and and that probably was to my own detriment. But now, I really do try and tune into that, and and just say, okay, what are you saying to me? You know, what what do you feel is the right thing to do? And like like you, if I'm feeling nervous about something, then you know, you've already gone through this huge traumatic experience in your life. You know, what else could possibly you know yeah go wrong so yeah no I I totally get that and also I think that voice mark um because it you know it is like your friend and it can be kind to you it allows you well it certainly does for me to acknowledge how far I've come and and it feels like it feels like you know when I when that voice talks to me it feels like the realest part of me that feels like oh I know who I am this is me you know what I mean no, I totally know what you mean. Um, okay, have you received any counselling? Did you seek any counselling after your mum died? Or, um, you know, did you feel like you got to the point where, you know, maybe maybe you were okay where you were at? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Because the attitude towards mental health, you know, whilst it's, you know, there is still room for improvement, it's been you know, it's progressive. It's got a lot better now. But when I was younger, I, before my mum died, um, had not realising what they were, but, you know, mental health problems. I just did. And I think, and I never got help until um, I was at university. And then it probably wasn't the right kind of help. I just went to see the counsellor there and it just didn't feel like it was helping. But once I'd probably gone into self-destruct mode um, in my early 20s, I remember being so low, so, so low and being like, do you know what? Something's got to give here because I'm on a path that is going to take me to a really dark place imminently. And I remember walking in for cognitive behavioral therapy and sitting down and just, you know, it felt like garbage was coming out of my mouth. It felt like absolute rubbish. But to have somebody in a professional capacity who is your, who isn't your family or friends, sit there and say, "I understand, and all of this makes perfect sense, and we're going to work through it." 
I remember leaving that room feeling 50% lighter and thinking, wow, like there was, there were two paths here and I'm definitely on the right one after an hour with this man. And I'm not saying that that is the case for everybody, but for me, that cognitive, your cognitive behavioral therapy, that understanding of my grief, of the trauma in my life and what had led to this point. And just to completely honest because I was just living for everybody else to please everybody else to keep everyone else happy probably to disguise my own deep unhappiness just to feel that somebody was listening and was going to help and that I could be really brutally honest about the darkest depths of my mind it was incredible and you know what I'm I, I it, it doesn't work for everyone okay but I I don't know if I would be who I am or here today without that, genuinely. Yeah. No, I'm completely with you. I was like mid-20s and I decided to... Uh, I had counselling with Cruz, yeah. And um, I think I had around six sessions over six weeks. And at first I was like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure if I've got anything to say. But it was in the relationship I was in at, at that time. And, and obviously there was behaviour sort of you know traits coming out that that weren't you know great and so that kind of led me to think look I need to talk to someone I think you know I've got a lot of unresolved grief and um and it was one of the best things I've ever done you know because like you've said you you've got all these uh these emotions these feelings that have manifested over the years and you know where do they go where do they sit and and just to be able to tell someone about that and like you say at first it does feel like you're just regurgitating rubbish but but once you come out of that session you're just like wow you know that 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 was better than I thought it would be you know so obviously last year your beautiful nana sadly died and I'm just wondering how well firstly how you're doing off the back of your nana dying and you know how you found this process of grief um over the last year or last few months to put it into perspective my nana um long before mum was ever ill the entire time during our childhood she was a rock to me I was as close to my nana as I was to my mum and so when my mum passed away Nana shielded me again, probably from a lot of that because she picked up the pieces and said, right, like I have to be a motherly figure, like again, to these children. And my God, did she do that? She, I've never met a woman more dedicated to her family. I can't even express. And she helped you know, shape me in a way that she'll never, she never would have taken any credit for, but she used to say to us, you know, as long as you're happy, that's the most important thing. And I think she instilled that in us. She just wanted us to be happy. And I, I've been blessed to have 30 years with my Nana, 30 years. And so in many ways I can, it's, it, it hit me. It hit me, obviously, like a, a bullet because it's my nana um, and I adore her. And I think under the circumstances, because I hadn't seen her for a few months and I'd not been able to because of lockdown, whereas ordinarily I'd be over there all the time, you know, cuddling her and squishing her and I hadn't seen her for a few months. And then I feel this real guilt that I wasn't at her bedside when she well, when she was probably with it and before she died, I feel real guilt for that, that I worry that maybe she didn't know that 
we couldn't be there that you know we would have been there if we could but we weren't allowed and it was only in her final moments because I know that if the shoe was on the other foot it would have shattered my Nana's heart into a million pieces if she couldn't have been by my bedside and I saw the dedication and strength and love that she showed to my mum throughout her cancer journey and I feel I should have been able to do that for her as a fellow female or it's just my own view on it I just wish I'd been there to support the woman that has supported me my whole life and um yeah it's been a weird year because obviously the funeral we were only allowed sort of 15 people and we were saying you know we'll have a, a big when we're allowed in a few months we'll have we'll get everyone together and obviously that's not been able to happen because it's continued um lockdowns continued um you know being away from my granddad because he lives in like um a home where you can look after yourself but obviously it wouldn't be right for me to be going in there and seeing my granddad when there's other elderly people in there um I, yeah i have a twin brother who lives locally who um you know like you allowed your like nominated person so he is he's been amazing with my granddad but it's hurt me that I've not been able to be there um and yeah it's just been it's been a it's been I don't know it's been hard it, it has been hard because you know, grief is tough enough as it is, but the thing that people say to you is, you know, surround yourself with people who knew her, who loved her, who you can share memories with. And I've not been able to do that, but I, you know, I refer to that voice again that I have within myself and almost like, you know, I can be okay with it because I can talk to myself and, you know, I can imagine what my nana would be saying, which I can't really do with my mum because whether it's a defence mechanism, I don't know, but I just don't have a very good memory at all of my mum. I just don't. There's the odd thing I remember, but I just don't uh, really. I don't know if if that's the same with you, with your dad, that you struggle for memory. But Yeah. Yeah, no, I do. I do. I think you're right. It's sort of, you know, you've got your certain memories that that have stuck in your head certain times that you've kind of it's funny it's like you you you've kind of you know saved them screen shared them you know to the back of your brain and uh and and so i think that's nice when you you're able to go over like old photos and things like that which actually the other day um simone got some out and um and i discovered some old ones which are which really sort of brought back memories but um yeah, no, I completely, I completely know what you, you know, what you mean in terms of, um, in terms of your nana. It's been so hard, isn't it, for for lots of people over the last year, um, you know, especially when it comes to funerals and and all that. It's been a, it's been a, a just a rough, rough year, you know. And but I think you know, I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but it's made me also more grateful for the simple things. That it really has because you know, I have lost, I, what more could I lose now, really? You know, I've lost the two, my two only women in my world who were my world, no disrespect to men in my world, but they were my world. And so I kind of go, well, I, I, life is really for living. I'd better be cracking on and living this life again um, as soon as I'm allowed, because A, that's what they'd want. And B, that's what I want. I, I want to live. I've got a whole lot of life to live and I owe it to myself and them to get out there and live it. My next question to you is, can you share three things that make you smile when you think of your mum? I know it's quite a funny question off the bat of what we're just talking about, but do you have, do you have three things? 
Oh, I do. Um, my mum had a great sense of humour and she, um, I, I used to uh, crack a certain joke with her, which I won't go into, but I, it was probably a kind of joke that any other mother would be offended by, but she just used to wet herself laughing and she used to go say it again, say it again. And she would, I just have this vision of her really, really like properly laughing. Um, and then I guess the other would be, um, I remember sitting with her once and, um, I was, we were reading the newspaper and you know when someone gets married that, and it says like they've changed their name, um, it says like um, so-and-so, me, and whatever their previous surname was. Um, and I didn't know that. And I was reading through and I was like, mum, a lot of people have the surname me, don't they? What's this about? And I just remember her absolutely wetting herself that, that the, the way I'd asked that question. Um, and I guess... Um, the other memory that I have that makes me really smile about mum is um, she loved Bruce Springsteen and she used to love dancing to him. And it was when, um, <laughs> if she'd been out and had a few drinks, we'd come downstairs and we'd see her in the living room with Bruce on and uh, she'd be dancing in the mirror. And because she's had a few drinks, she clearly thought she could dance, but she couldn't. <laughs> Um, but it just always used to make us smile and it was um she yeah she was good fun she was good fun nice I love those okay we're moving into questions from the children at children's bereavement charity Winston's Wish and the first one is how do you make yourself feel happy when you're feeling sad um I used to try and force myself to be happy the moment I felt a bit of sadness but now I think it's really healthy and really important to feel like just feel how you need to feel know that it won't last forever this feeling because we've we've all felt sadness um but feel it feel it for now um and I think you know if you really really you know think oh, I just don't want to feel like this I whack on some music that I like something that's going to lift me up and you know at least help boost my mood, even if it's by like 5%, I'll take that. Um, I talk to my best friend, Hannah, she's absolutely wonderful. So, and I know I can pick up the phone and just go blah, 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 blah. And she will just calm me down and make me feel a lot, lot better. So I'll talk to her. Um, but yeah, I would always say to anyone, please feel, just feel how you need to feel because it won't last forever. And like, it's actually really important that you do let yourself feel because um, you're helping yourself in the long run, aren't you? Yeah, no, that's great advice. Okay, moving on. The next question, funny enough, is what piece of music reminds you of your mum? Ah, oh, Bruce Springsteen, anything from Bruce Springsteen, but particularly there's a song called The River. And when she and my dad first started dating, it was really big and mum had it on all the time. And um, she clearly never got bored of it because when we were growing up, again, she had it on all the time. Um, and it, but anything Bruce Springsteen, to be honest, she absolutely adored him. So I listen to his music all the time, particularly when I'm on my own somewhere. Like I have to travel to London a lot for work. And if I go for a walk around Hyde Park or somewhere, I'll put him on because I feel close to her. And then I don't feel like I'm walking on my own. <laughs> I love that. OK, what do you do to remember your mum on important days across the year? Um... Well, I always get mum a card, you know, if it's her birthday, Christmas or an anniversary. Um, my mum loved cards. She was an English teacher and she loved 
um, poetry. She loved the written word. She loved um, her and my nana. Their big thing was um, uh, before any gift, just to write your feelings down for someone. Um, so I always make sure I get her a lovely card and write it and um, laminate it so it doesn't get ruined in the rain and take it to the grave. Um, and we go and, and visit them. And obviously now it's it's Nana that we visit as well. So it's like a little ritual there. Um, and I'll just do things. A lot of it is in my mind. <laughs> I'll think about her a lot. I think about her a lot anyway, but I, I really allow myself to reflect on the few memories I do have of her on those days. And I'll go for a walk, you know, and just do just I like to put myself in places that feel calm, nothing too hectic or busy, just places that allow me to feel and just, you know, be present. And um, and I take comfort in that. I take comfort in walking and just seeing beautiful scenery. And Yeah. Oh, I love those. Okay. What three things are you most thankful for at the moment? Oh, I'm thankful to have my wonderful friends who I was able to, um, I was able to see two of them yesterday, actually for the first time in a long, long time in in their garden. And my God, am I lucky to have my friends. We are, um, there's a group of about 10 of us and we've been friends now for, um, well, I've known Hannah, my best friend since I was two, but the rest of us have been friends for at least sort of 10, 11 years. And we are, lifelongers like they're they're, they're not going anywhere so I'm so grateful to have these people around me that allow me to be completely unapologetically myself and who probably know me better than I know myself half the time um I'm thankful for them um I'm thankful that I have a lovely warm family who um who really care about me and who I care about uh and whilst you know I'm the only girl left now I I am grateful that I have good men around me and my family that, that care and that um, that love me. And I am really, really thankful that um, I get to do a job that doesn't feel like a job. I feel excited to do my work. I feel happy. It never feels like a chore. And I think that that is a privilege that I should never and will never take for granted. They're amazing three things. I love those. <laughs> okay. One thing I always like to end on, and sometimes it's a difficult one, but if you could sit down with your mum for one last time, what do you think you might like to say to her? Oh, I think I would like to say, um, see, I know that before my mum passed away, she said to my nana, um, she knew she was dying, and she said to my nana, I just want to be a good mother and a good daughter. And I didn't know that until she passed away, that she'd said that. And I think if I got just a minute with mum I would say mum I want you to know you have been the best mum to me and you have set me up you've given me the foundations to go on and enjoy my life and I promise you I'm not only going to be okay I'm going to thrive and be happy oh, that's beautiful um, but Emma I just want to say a huge thank you for speaking with me today sharing your story with my listeners and I know that they're going to get a lot out of this so um, yeah thank you so much it's like therapy all in itself this so thank you mark (laughs) i feel like i should pay you for this